What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This week, we have a first time land buyers episode with Patrick from St. Louis, and we are going to be diving into this entire transaction. He had a pretty unique scenario that I think for anyone out there will learn something along the way in this conversation. Before we get into it, if you're brand new to the show here, goal here is to help 100 people buy their first piece of land. Three ways to get included in that list. Number one, if you're in the state of Illinois or looking to buy in the state of Illinois, give me a call. I'm happy to help. If you are looking in an area where I have some contacts and expertise, Number two, if you want to get connected with someone I would do business with and at least have an initial conversation with them and see if they are a good fit, I'm happy to help facilitate that. And then number three, if you just simply learn something here from the show, let me know and I want to add you to it. Hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Before we get into it, the Exodus five-year anniversary sale is live and all you have to do is use the code LP to save 25% off the entire site right now all the way to June 12th while supplies last. It's a great opportunity to lock up some gear for the season and buy it before those Black Friday savings and you get a full year's use out of all of our products. You can save 25% off the Exodus render. And with the security bundle, you're going to save over $120. You can purchase the Exodus Rival at, I believe, just under $140 using the code LP. And also you can save $70 off a dozen of Exodus MMT arrows. They're going to get built to your specs and shipped directly to your door. And you will have a dozen of consistent, durable arrows ready to shoot. So by using the code LP, it shows you support the Land Podcast and I would greatly appreciate it if you are in the market for any of our products here at Exodus. You head over there and take advantage of these savings. Enough of all this. Let's go ahead and get right into this week's episode. Patrick, welcome to the Land Podcast. How's it going today? Pretty good. Life good. is good. So good, man. Yeah, we're, <laughs> this is the first time Land Buyers episode, so I'm I'm really excited to to hear your story. I know we talked here a little bit on Instagram, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to hear the full scoop, but before we get into all that, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, so people get acquainted with you. Sure. My name is Patrick Prochno. I live in St. Louis. Um, yeah, been deer hunting pretty much my entire life, but uh, didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that. But um, yeah, as, as soon as I started hunting as a young guy with with a couple of buddies in high school, got hooked on it. And now I'm, seems like... Uh, one level to the next and now i'm finally getting to uh getting to or bought a piece of ground which is the pinnacle which i thought i would never get to and here i am so <laughs> yeah that's that's but, really cool yeah first off congratulations mm-hmm. why why do you think that uh you would never get to that because i think to your point land ownership is sometimes seen or felt as a very hard thing to to get to mm-hmm. but uh, the goal of this podcast is to help show people it, it it's not quite as crazy or hard as maybe what the perception is. So I guess, uh, going back, why, why did you think that you may never own a piece of ground? Um, I mean, part of, I mean, I worked in agriculture at grain trading and I knew how expensive farm ground was. And even the, the farm that I grew up hunting, um, was, you know, 120 something acres. It was my buddies, their families. And I'm looking at land prices. I'm thinking 120 acres at seven, eight, 9,000 an acre, you know, we're getting up near a million dollars. That's, I'm never going to be able to even save the down payment for something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe I undersold myself in my career wise too. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, but sometimes the dollar amounts can be a little intimidating. So yeah, a hundred. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. When you're looking at some of those larger farms and you start crunching the numbers and, and maybe you think you have to have 30 or 40 or 50% down and you're thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know when I'll ever have a windfall of cash. That's, you know, upwards of multiple six figures, but uh, you know, anyone that's listening to this understands that there's a lot of ways 
to build up to that size farm or, mm-hmm. or save a down payment or figure out different ways to, to help subsidize the purchase. But um, so you work in the commodities in agricultural industry. What, yep. uh, what have you, what have you enjoyed about that career path up to this point? Um, I mean, a lot of it was the people you get to meet. It's um, I grew up fairly rural and you get to meet farmers and other people in the agriculture industry and everybody's down to earth and pretty much as genuine people as you can meet. So, um, you know, trading and all that's a lot of fun, but I think the the biggest driver for me is just the people you get to meet really. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of a small niche industry, yeah. you know? So, yeah. it is, so, mm-hmm. so you're like a commodities trader or what, I guess, uh, if you can share a little bit more, like what your exact role is or like what your day-to-day looks sure. like. Sure. We, we work for a, I work for a flour mill, a wheat flour mill um, along the Mississippi and I'm the head of sales there. So of the food grade flowers, which um, our customer base who we sell to is pasta manufacturers. So mm-hmm. I started off selling the byproducts. So that was going to um, cattle markets, stuff like that, animal feed essentially, and, and some pet food. And then I moved over into the, into the food grade flowers. So that's cool. Most, most of the um, pasta products you'll see in the fresh frozen or dry aisle. Um, a lot of it comes from us, not all of it, but uh, <laughs> a good, what, a good portion at least. So obviously wheat's been in the news a lot since uh, Ukraine and everything else. What ha- has that changed your, has that changed your job much or has it made it more dynamic than, than normal? Or is it, I guess, what is, what's that been like? Cause obviously wheat, wheat's it's been pretty a, It's elevated prices. Yeah. So yeah. we handle Durham wheat, um, and over there in the black sea region, they handle a little bit of Durham wheat, but not very much. So any effects to us have been indirect effects and mm-hmm. it's kind of propped up the price of the other, other wheat varieties, which in turn has, you know, elevated, um, Durham prices. So it just so happened that we came out of a drought year at the same time that, um, you know, Russia decided to invade Ukraine and that just put more fuel on the fire for, for prices, you know, which, um, you know, the farmers can, can benefit from that. But on the other end, if you're having to buy products made from that wheat, your costs just went up. So, um, depending on what side of the food chain you're on, uh, it was either a good thing or, or it made the balance sheet a little bit tighter, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, I, can, I mm-hmm. can imagine. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like any, any commodity or any market, where it's mm-hmm. just, it's getting changed and update updated daily it has mm-hmm. to be pretty exciting because it it's never the same and people are all trying to speculate and and predict what's yeah. going to go on. Uh, do yeah. you like do you like that aspect of it? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a, a gunslinger, I guess. So, I mean, I guess you know, I bought this property on auction. That's not for everybody, but um, I like the volatility. It, uh-huh. You know, volatility. Volatility to me is opportunity. So mm-hmm. if you can buy the dips and sell the highs, um, you can make money either way it's going, you know, if yeah. you're on the right side of it, vice yeah. versa, you can lose money on both sides of it, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I had a, I like it. yeah, I was talking to a, another broker here earlier this year and we're just talking about the market kind of candidly. And he had a, a pretty, it was secondary information. So someone else told him this and mm-hmm. then he told me this, but when markets are good, they're good. And when they're bad, they're still good because there's always opportunity to your point. And no matter what the market mm-hmm. cycle is, you just have to identify easier said than done, but you have to identify what the opportunities are uh, for right. the being. So I'm sure yep. that's the same thing. That's exactly right. Yep. Exactly right. So 
So when did you decide that you wanted to scoop up a piece? How long ago was that when you, you're like, okay, I'm going to figure out this process and I really want to buy something. I've been casually looking for, you know, probably a few years, but probably in the last year I started getting a lot more serious about it. And I think that's just because I started saving up for a down payment and I'm looking, you know, okay, 20, 25%. Wow. I'm, I'm getting to where I could maybe buy something here, you Mm -hmm. know? So that was probably the past year I started getting a lot more serious about it. How yeah. did you how did you allocate that that down payment fund? Were you just more diligent with with your income of like, okay, I, I can't touch this. It's going into to the land account. Mm-hmm. What was your strategy or how how'd you do that? Yeah. Um I would direct deposit, you know, and I would have I would have, you know, all my variable costs going into my checking, and then I have an, another account which the only thing that comes out of there is my payment for my truck and my payment for my house mm-hmm. or some house expenses that maybe were unforeseen, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then everything left over. So that account kept growing and growing. And that was the, that was the necessities do not touch account. <laughs> yeah. I, you know? I, yeah. I think that's important to, to, tell or tell say where your money wants to go and 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 have mm-hmm. that discipline to not touch it for you know whatever else yeah and so it took you about a year then to to really see that account grow and and i mm-hmm. assume you, you were just getting more excited as you it probably be kind of kind of became a game i bet like okay well i could buy this farm mm-hmm. uh, i could now i could maybe afford this farm is that kind of how that progression looked like for you yeah kind of i mean i um yeah i mean I've been putting money into that account for a lot more than a year, but it's like within the last year, I'm thinking, all right, that's about enough for a down payment. And I want to get a little more in there for a cushion, which um, in this instance, I'm glad I did. But um, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Does that <laughs> yeah. kind of answer it? <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And so when you were casually looking at farms, what were some of the things that were top of mind? that when you were shopping that, okay, this one I would be interested in and this one would be a deal breaker. Like what, what criteria were you looking for in an ideal farm for your first one? Sure. I, I wanted some timber on there. So it's nice to have the crops because you can get some rental income off there, but I'm buying this for hunting primarily. So I wanted more timber than tillable. And that usually makes it a little more affordable as well. I didn't prefer, um, easement access it's not a deal breaker by any means but it it was it was not a selling point in my mind so i wanted something with some road frontage and um and then just something you know i was kind of looking 20 to 40 maybe 50 acres something like that because i don't i didn't think i could really afford much more so um how far was your radius of where you were looking to i mean did you want to be an hour away two hours away So a lot of the, I was looking, you know, I'm in St. Louis, so I was looking, okay, an hour away. Oh, well, those get gobbled up in no time. So then I expanded it to two hours and there are just so few listings that it seemed like that, that, uh, radius kept getting wider and wider, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, um, I, I really didn't want to go past three hours from St. Louis. You know, that's, that gets to the, where you can't really get there after work you know if you want to slip out of work maybe a little bit early it's hard to get in the stand at that distance you know or like a morning hunt you know if you got to be in the tree at 5 30 all of a sudden you have to wake up at like 1 (laughs) a.m yeah yeah you know that that's i didn't want to go past that so 
So um, un- under three hours. And so if you're in St. Louis, were you looking in Illinois and Missouri? What was mm-hmm. were you what what state were you focusing on? Illinois and Missouri. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're right here on the border of Illinois, Missouri. And I'm from Indiana. And um, you know, family and friends that I grew up hunting with and stuff still live in Indiana. So I was kind of looking at Illinois because it would make it more feasible for them to meet up with me mm-hmm. and, you know, hunt for a weekend and stuff like that. So, that um, sense. yeah. And surprisingly I was having better luck finding stuff within two hours on the Illinois side than the Missouri side on yeah. the Missouri side, you get, you start getting into the Ozarks and you're not in, I grew up in farm ground, you know, you're getting yeah. down into Ozark mountain country, which I'm yeah. not totally familiar with, you know? So um, yeah. so Illinois started looking a lot more appealing to me. Yeah, that southern part of Illinois has a, typically a pretty strong amount of inventory. I mean, there's just a, mm-hmm. a lot of ground, like transitional ground where there's timber and ag and a mix of it all where, yeah, you get west mm-hmm. of where you're at. It's all pretty much, you know, just looking at a map, all very similar. So you were kind of focusing on the, the southern part of Illinois. How many, mm-hmm. so you end up buying a farm at auction, but before we get to that, I mean, did you walk many farms before that or, or were you just kind of window shopping at the time? I probably walked a half a dozen, mm-hmm. something like that. The yeah. ones you, the ones you looked at, what, what, uh, made you not buy them? Was it price? Was it something you saw that you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not interested anymore. I mean, what, what well, turned you away I, from those six? Sure. I wasn't working with an agent, so mm-hmm. they would get gobbled up probably by guys who were working with agents, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, by, by the time you see it on some of these websites, um, there's already stuff turning in the background that you don't even know about and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, I, I got this one through auction and I participated in some other auctions and, and wasn't the winning bidder. So yeah. how much, <laughs> yeah. How much, uh, how much self-discipline did it take to not get excited? Cause an auction setting is really interesting. I think mm-hmm. if you put a heart rate monitor on everyone during an auction, <laughs> Even if you're not bidding, your heart rate is going to bump up a little bit. And that's the that's the cool thing about auctions. A, a good auctioneer is going to do a, a great mm-hmm. job for the sellers. And obviously, there's opportunities as a buyer, too. Because I think, to your point, auctions do scare away a lot of a lot of buyers. Because mm-hmm. it's uh, you got to have 10% down the day of auction. You can't have finan- uh, financial uh, finance contingencies. You need to do your due diligence prior. Where when it's mm-hmm. listed, it's kind of the other way around. You can lock something down and then you have, you know, an inspection period and it, everything's a much slower pace where mm-hmm. if you're the winning better a day of an auction. Like you better be darn certain you made the right decision. Cause there's no backing out. Like, <laughs> you better have done your homework. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I don't think I, the, the night that I bought that one, I don't think I ever fell asleep. <laughs> i think that's normal I, mean, I was texting hunting buddies and family and stuff and i think like you know my first text was like um oh my god what did i just do you know <laughs> <laughs> and so i was i assume this was an was it a hybrid was it online and in person or was it online only what what was the how was the auction structured it, it was online only okay yeah. online only yeah mm-hmm. and was that um so just tell us a little bit more about that piece. So you, you probably found that it was listed for auction. Did you go walk it before the auction? Kind of like give us the, mm-hmm. I found it. And then leading up to the auction, like what was the progression of events? Yeah. So I found it. I saw when the auction was going to close and I think I walked it maybe a week, two weeks at the most before, you know, the auction closes, there'll be bidding on it 
up until then, but the last hour of the auction to get more bids than the, than the first 30 days, you know? So I walked it. I really liked it, you know, from an aerial, it looked flat. And then I got out there and it was not flat. It was rolling. Mm. It was rolling timber, like abandoned cattle pasture mixed, mixed with, um, timber kind of wound through it, some dry creeks, which I really liked, you know, mm-hmm. like you were kind of saying earlier, some of the selling points, I would have really liked something that was on water. Cause I'm a big fisherman too, mm-hmm. but to check every single box. With your first that, piece. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something that's like 30 acres or less. And I'm trying to find something on a road, but also on water with, ten, you know, it, I had to, I had to give up something, you know? Uh-huh. So I really liked it. And, um, there were some food, there were a couple, what looked like were food plots, you know, some, some beans that were left in there previously. So it was clearly being hunted. Mm-hmm. I kicked up like two herds of deer and 20 acres. That was, I don't know if the seller placed them there to, as a selling point, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'm like, all right, there are clearly deer here, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it was only a little over an hour from St. Louis and it's right off I-70 between me and Indianapolis where I have you know, some family and friends that live. So mm. the location alone was a, a pretty big selling point for me. You know, yeah, it sounded like it checked off quite a bit of boxes uh, mm-hmm. for, for what you were looking for and your, your patience was rewarded a little bit. So leading up to the auction, as we were mentioning, like 10% down, um, I assume it was 10% down, non-refundable down payment. And uh, mm-hmm. so what was the, what was the financing process like that leading up to an auction? Cause obviously you really got to cross your T's and dot your I's uh, for this type of purchase. Stressful. There were, uh, <laughs> there were some sleepless nights in there on that. Cause you know, during, you, you only have so many days and you gotta, you gotta get it wrapped up. So I, um, yeah, it was, t- it was 10% down, you know, earnest money, which, uh, you know, I paid like 113,000 for this. So um, almost, almost 12,000 that I had to put down. Um, I had that fine piece of cake. Um, and it was kind of interesting. I, I think after watching one of your podcasts, I had been talking with another lender from like a small bank mm-hmm. and, um, she's talking about the, the lenders talking about the, all these arms and stuff, you know, adjustable rates after two years, three years. And, um, well, my house also, becomes adjustable in four years. I have a really good interest rate now, but I have a 10 to one arm there. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of thinking, I don't really want another adjustable rate coinciding with each other, just in case interest rates do go to double digits, you mm-hmm. know, I'd ra- even, even if one like this one now that I got, I got locked in at 7.2%, mm-hmm. that's pretty high compared to, you know, where we've been the past few years, mm-hmm. but at least I have one of them locked in, you know, so, so the, the land loan, you got a, a long-term fixed rate then? Yes, I did. 20 okay. years. 20 year fixed mm-hmm. rate. Okay. So like I was saying, I was talking to that lender, but then the next day I wasn't quite comfortable with all these arms. And um, I don't, I don't know if they ever even presented me a fixed rate. So I called up FP, FCS, Farm mm-hmm. Credit Services. I just literally Googled my closest, um, <laughs> my closest office, called them up and it's, you know, you're giving them business. They're excited that you're calling them. Yep. So I can be, a, I can be an introvert at times and a little bit nervous to pick up the phone, but it's kind of like that. They want you to call them. They're excited to get mm-hmm. your business, you know? And um, my comfort level after talking to that lender, went, I was able to sleep at night again, mm-hmm. you know, just, just talking to them and it's like very responsive getting back to me 
sending them all the paperwork. So I wasn't even pre-approved when I, when I bought this. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whoa. So, I, I could understand they, some of the stress now. <laughs> say you're supposed to be. And yeah. I thought, well, I'm pre-qualified. That's close enough. I would not recommend that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> but, but, um, so he got, so we got the approval process, you know, I, I had enough money. My credit score is really good. I wasn't too worried about it. So that came through within like two days. Okay. I'm approved by FCS, you know, so they were good about working quickly with me. That's good. So, There's some good points with that. I think Mm-hmm. obviously always stress, like call multiple lenders and, and learn about all their different loan products. And to your point, yeah, they're, they're excited to do business with you. Cause how often does someone walk through the door that's, Hey, I want to, I want to borrow a hundred thousand dollars from you. I mean, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. how they make money is by lending out, uh, yeah. lending, lending against things. So, um, mm-hmm. so you called, so you ended up calling two different banks and then end up going with the second one with the, with the long-term mm-hmm. fixed rate. Yep. Yeah. What, uh, what was the, do you remember what the arm rate was for the first bank that you called? It was very similar to the fixed rate. It was right six, around high seven. Sixes. Okay. Yeah. High six, high sixes, almost seven, maybe, maybe more than that, depending on the length of the term. So I thought, well, why not just go with the fixed rate if, you know, and then yeah. you can always, you can, you can always refinance, you know? So I just kind of thought, I don't want to miss the farm because of the interest rate, because, I can I can afford the down payments even with the high interest rate, and if it goes down, I can just refinance. You know, yeah. cost yeah. you a little money to do it, but yeah, it, it's it no reason out. to miss out. You know, yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's a good point because I think, fortunately or unfortunately, people have the the near memory of those you know four percent, five percent, five and a half percent rates, and then historically, I mean. Uh, uh, it's usually floated, floated between five and seven, maybe five and eight mm-hmm. aside from some other, you know, events and sure. throughout time. But I mean, that's kind of what it would be normal. You know, yeah. I say that loosely. So it's like, yeah, it's a little bit more than what it was before, but you found the farm, you want to mm-hmm. buy it and don't let 2%, you know, spoil a deal because it, it we don't know what it's going to be in the future and you're locked in now. So it's only, there's only mm-hmm. upside if it goes down. Versus right. if you waited, it might go up and, and land's inherently maybe going to get more expensive. And so it, yeah, but yeah definitely good decision. Exactly. And then, you know, I, I kind of thought about, okay, my, my new monthly payment is like 620 bucks a month. My truck is 550 bucks a month. It'll be paid off in January. So uh-huh. I have like six oh. tight months of financing yeah. and then it's going to be almost like the same exact amount that I'm paying per month. Yeah. You have so. a, you'll have a paid for truck and a farm. To drive that's it to. how I, that's how I justified it. <laughs> yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. I think mm-hmm. uh, I do think that a lot of times, like auto loans, is one of the easiest things. If you eliminate that, then now all of a sudden you can you can definitely afford land. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's a hurdle for a lot of people for sure. And uh, obviously yeah. people need people need to commute, <laughs> but right. um, there's always a, a trade off in everything. Yeah, exactly. I didn't that that loans at zero percent, so I wasn't gonna pay okay. that one. Off. I'll, I'll borrow the free money on the track. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you you got you you were calling around. You got your lending lined up. You walked the farm. You you liked it. It felt like you checked mm-hmm. off enough boxes. So leading up to the auction, like I said, there's the heart rates accelerated automatically, even if you're not bidding mm-hmm. on something. So you were what what was the online bidding process? Did you wait to bid towards the last hour, like you were mentioning, or were you just kind of bumping it up throughout that week leading up? What was your strategy there? I didn't, I didn't, there were two guys like kind of duking it out with each other, 
you know, one would place a bid and then the other would put something five bucks an acre higher or something like that. All, all the weeks leading up to it. So then I kind of waited until, you know, it, each bid that you place within five minutes of closing, they'll extend it another five minutes. Yep. So it closed at 8 PM. I think I was the last one to place a bid and it was at like 10 30 at night. Oh, so, wow. it, it leaked on that long. Where is it back? It leaked on that long. Yeah. So, so I don't know that I waited right until seven because these guys kept going back it up and I thought I'll wait till it gets, you know, I'll wait till we're getting serious here and then I'll step in. So I placed three or four bids and somebody outbid them. And then at the end, they do like this, this combination bidding. Somebody wants to buy all three mm-hmm. tracks. Cause it was, it was five tracks mm-hmm. and I only bought one of them. I bought the small little one. Mm-hmm. So this combination bidding, um, somebody had had that one in their combo, mm-hmm. you know, so whoever wanted to buy like three at a time, I'm thinking, Oh gosh, this guy's, you know, a millionaire. He's trying to buy all three. I'm just trying to get 20 acres here. Uh-huh. And, um, but I, um, which is kind of funny. Then at the, at the end, the last bid I placed, I let it go down to like 10 seconds <laughs> and I, and I placed it. And, you know, one of my hunting buddies that I grew up with, he's watching from home on it. He knows what bitter yep. number it is. <laughs> so he's like, do it one more time. <laughs> like, All right. Well, I'm not going to let him control my finances, <laughs> but I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, so I placed one more bid and it's like 1030 at night. This has been dragging on for two and a half hours. And um, finally it, it went down and cause I, you, you can put in there how much you would have to bid to get to knock that combination bidder out mm. and then and then all the other guys so when i so when i placed this last bid and that combination bidder didn't rebid all these other guys that were on the other lots they got it too you know i feel like they should be thanking me because <laughs> I, I stepped in at the last minute and and bid up my lot so all of a sudden yeah they they became the high bidders on their lots mm-hmm. you know and I, I, after I placed my last bid, I told my buddy who's watching, I said, that's it. I'm, that's it. I'm drawing the line here. Yep. Yeah. And sure enough, you know, that was it. So did you, okay. So let's say your budget going into it was $4,000 an acre. Mm-hmm. What, just using that as a frame of reference, did you stay at that 4,000 or did you end up going a little bit more in order to buy it? Oh, I said I would go in my head or whatever. I said, I'd go to like six because. Uh-huh for it's only 20 acres. I thought, well, I can afford, you know, 120,000. Um, if it were 40 acres, I couldn't go to 6,000 an acre. I can't afford that. Um, so I said I would go to about six and I ended up paying 5620 an acre. Awesome. So yeah, you, you, yeah, you got mm -hmm. it well below what you wanted to spend then. I did until the, once the appraisal came through, that took a little fun out of it though. Okay. So yeah. All right. So you're the winning bidder. Do they, mm-hmm. do they call you? Was it, did they call you 11 o'clock at night? Did they call you the next day? What was that process like? So you're like, since okay. it was so late, they, the, the guy who runs the auction, you know, he called me the next day at work the next morning and Hey, congratulations. But, uh, here's a contract you need to sign. And, um, here's a, here's a link with where you need to wire your earnest money, <laughs> Yep, <laughs> which I knew was coming. So, yep. you know, it's kind of like, all right, ready to roll read yep. those disclaimers, you know, so and all that kind of stuff. Cause in this one, the, if you're the buyer, you don't have to pay an extra a buyer's premium. Yeah. Buyer's premium. There was no buyer's premium on this. So I, I knew that. So that helped, mm-hmm. but 
Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other ones, they do have buyer's premium. So you got to kind of be aware of that or just tack it on. Yeah. Whatever. 2%, yeah, keep, 2% keep, on top of the purchase price. Yeah. Something like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, they sent me that and I, he sent me the instructions. I, I literally did all of this from my phone. I even mm-hmm. signed the papers for my phone, the the sales contract, and then yep. went straight to the bank and Hey, here's a piece of paper. I need to wire this amount of money here, you know? Yep. So <laughs> that's So, yep. um, what was your emotion when you ended up winning? Were you, were you really stoked? Were you, uh, you mentioned you were nervous, but like walk us through, walk us through your emotions during that time frame. I was excited, but I was also kind of nervous because I wasn't pre-approved, mm-hmm. you know, but I had enough in my, this is how I justified it in my head. I thought, well, I have enough in my 401k from this employer, my last employer. If I drain them, and financing falls through, I could pay for this thing, you know, out so of you pocket. had a safety. Yeah. You had a safety net. At, at I had, a, I had a safety net, not far from highly recommended to ever go that <laughs> route. And I did not want to go that route, but uh-huh. in the back of my mind, I thought I, I could do this if I, if I had to, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and so mm-hmm. you ended up getting your financing nailed down and then you mentioned uh, the appraisal. So what, what happened there? So the, the banks said, okay, we want to make sure that this thing's worth what, mm-hmm. what you bought it for. Let's send out an appraiser. And yeah. what what happened? So I paid 113 for it and it appraised for a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to close that gap. Yep. And, and in these auctions, there, there's no backing out, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, the lender's like, so do you still want it? I'm like, I don't think I have a choice here. Yeah. Or you lose um, 10 grand or, you know, whatever you 12. Grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like t- almost 12 grand in my earnest money. I'm like, no, we're, we're going through with it, you know? So, um, were you and that's su- probably- was the lender surprised to see the appraisal out of that? Cause a lot of times knock on wood, most of the deals I've done, they, you know, a lot of times they come out very close to purchase price. And, yeah. um, I mean, in relative to that situation is not terribly far off, but what, what did the bank say? Or like, was it, mm-hmm. did you have a rogue appraiser or like, what, what do you, what do you think? I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. He goes, I mean, before the, before it got appraised, he said now, and then the next step is we're waiting on the appraisal. All right. Well, that took like over three weeks. I was starting to sweat, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have an agent to go, uh, shake the shake tree for you. People yeah. To, to, yeah. to get, keep things moving. So I was doing it myself. I'm like, Hey, where is this appraisal? It's 10 days until I got to close here, you know? Yeah. And um, he's like, well, you know, he originally told me these things come back. They're usually fine. And then he called me and said, well, this one appraised for a hundred thousand, you know, I'm thinking, oh, well, all right. So I got to come up with another 13 grand. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we originally looked at a 25 year loan Mm -hmm. um, with a 25% down payment. So we turned, instead of doing that, we went to a 20 year loan with a 20% down payment. Mm-hmm. So which required less of a down payment from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't totally make up for the extra 13 that I had to come to come to closing with, but it, it chipped away at it a little bit. For sure. So yeah. I, I think I ended up putting down just under, just under 29% of a down payment when you factor in, you know, the, the 20% on the loan plus closing the gap between the appraised yeah. amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's that is a little surprising to hear. I would say, what like the comps, the comps and everything too. I mean, were they? Did you feel that the comps that were used? Did you feel that those were a good reflection of the property, or or what yeah, was your thought process? I did. Like the, they were yeah. fair. Some some of them were were 
closer to six grand an acre, but they had a little bit of tillable on them and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I couldn't argue with it. Sure. You know? Yeah. And which... really putting that much more down, you know, an extra 13 grand for a down payment. Um, that's just that much low, less I have to yeah. lend. <laughs> Bring yeah. my monthly payment down. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> you're optimistic about it, I guess. Yeah. And you mentioned having that that account with a buffer too. I think that's so important. Uh, you yeah. were able to to do that without maybe any any additional pain, I guess. Is the mm-hmm. sure it's kind of sucked, but it wasn't uh, detrimental. Yeah. So originally, I thought I was going to have to put twenty five percent down, and I ended up putting twenty nine percent down. Basically, when it's all said and done, you know. I mean, if you can't afford an extra four percent of cushion, you shouldn't have been doing it. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's a fair so, point. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So then what you bought it and now, I mean, are you super excited for this upcoming season? Do you have a project list? I mean, where are you at now today? I went straight out there after the closing <laughs> Absolutely, and walked, and walked every square inch of it. And I've been out there a few times since. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of rough. So I'm trying to clean it up a little bit. There's some invasives to get off. And um, it's been like a lot of work right now, like, getting you know trimming back some of the invasives and spraying and stuff like that uh, i'm gonna put in a, a gate next uh mm-hmm. keep people out plus it looks nicer and i think mm-hmm. that'll add value as well um but i feel like i need to hang a stand or two just to keep myself excited it's not hey. all just it's all not work. all just farm work it's yeah i gotta see a little payoff little hunting uh work here too so i've never yeah. planned a food plot but that's in you know that's cool, man. That's going to be in the works. So yeah, that's yeah. super. That's super Trying exciting. Educate myself on that. <laughs> that's a learning yeah, process in itself too. You'll you'll get more efficient over mm-hmm. time, and and that's that's really exciting. And I yeah. think the silver lining this too is it's an hour away from your house, roughly. So that way mm-hmm. you can go out and and work for a couple hours, or you know get back mm-hmm. Saturday if you have obligations later in the day. To where th- that three hour mark, man. I. That's far yeah. for a lot of people. And that's and, a, that's a six hour round trip all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Eats up a lot of the weekends. So, um, yeah. that's really exciting. What was a myth that you found throughout the buying process? I mean, it, you had a, you had a pretty, uh, I would say a challenging transaction. Like you had some, uh, um, un- unforeseen, uh, mm-hmm. speed bumps to get through, but was there a myth about the process that you wish more people knew? Um, it wasn't as scary as I thought. Even, I mean, when I bought my house, that closing was a little more detailed when you're talking about a property. I mean, really sign the papers, get the approval going in to the actual closing was kind of a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, my lender told me, bring your cashier's check with this much, um, showed up, they're there, signed the papers at the title company, literally took 10 minutes and okay, here's a survey. You're, you're a landowner now. It, Probably a little it, it wasn't that hard, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that complicated. It wasn't that hard. I did it without an agent, you know, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, if I had an agent, they would have looked into those comps and told me, Hey, this thing's only going to appraise for a hundred thousand. You know, mm-hmm. honestly, I probably would have bought it anyway. That's, you a good, know, yeah. Yeah. I think that just leads out to the level of conviction of, of you wanted the property, you had the buffer to make it happen. And, yeah. and, uh, I think it'd be easy to, to kind of like get mm-hmm. detracted from, from the process. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. when you make your mind up and you, you decided that's the farm you want, then you have yep. the means to do it and still do it comfortably. Then yeah, you're crazy not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I'm kind of, I work with numbers and money and finance. If, if I wasn't comfortable, I had to get myself comfortable enough to pull the trigger on something like this. It's not like I'm totally just shooting from the hip. I knew what I knew I had the comfort, you know, I knew I had the cushion. I knew I had, if an appraisal came back, not right. I, I, I was okay. I knew the monthly payments. And once I got that comfort level and then it was just pull the trigger, man. You yeah. Know? <laughs> that, I, and that's, yeah. By doing all that due diligence, you can have a, a level of peace moving forward. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that that comes with anything. Like the more yeah. prepared you are, then, you know, the more uh, likely mm-hmm. things to go through. Um, what, what was a good resource along the way that helped you as a buyer? Someone listening to this now, I mean, was there something that, that helped you? Was it, was it the lender? Was there something that helped you as a resource going through this process? I mean, probably the lender and watching your podcast and numerous other podcasts and literally hearing other people's stories gave me a comfort level, you know, to where I'll do it. I remember, I can't remember what podcast I was it might have been Bill Winky when he's talking about paralysis by analysis. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's me. I'm stuck in that right now. Yeah. You know, and I thought, let's, let's save a little more money. Let's, you know, at some point you gotta, you gotta just pull a trigger and, and jump in if that's what you really want to do. You know? Yeah. So. yeah that's, that's a, that's a great, mm-hmm. great piece of advice. Do you think, mm-hmm. do you think this will be the last piece of land you own or I mean, what's your, what's your long-term land oh. goals now that you have your feet wet? It's only 20 acres. I got to go bigger than that. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's enough ground to put a few stands on and all that. But, um, you know, I'd I'd like to at least double, triple that at some point. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's got to make sense where I can sell it and and roll roll into the next property that's bigger and all that. You know, get one that actually has that river running through it. Yeah, man. Yeah. A little fishing and hunting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a luxury that, that you earn for sure by mm-hmm. getting your feet wet and starting. I think, I think your story is perfect because there's so many folks that like to your mention, like looking at 120 acre parcels and thinking that, you know, it, it's impossible. But mm-hmm. now that you started, I mean, in reality, if you continue this process over time and, and slowly work mm-hmm. your way up, I mean, that's way more tangible than if you just would have sat and waited longer and think, oh, yeah. I don't know if I can ever do this, but mm-hmm. uh, it's just the compound effect of getting started. And that's uh congratulations. That's super exciting that you're able to you know tie it all together and make it happen. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. So yeah. I feel, it feels good. So feels really good, good now. Awesome. Yep. A- so. Anything else, anything else that you would want to share that that might be helpful for someone out there listening? Um, I would say if you're, if you're going to go the route I went or really even the traditional route through, through a realtor and all that, um, save up the down payment and then some, you know, cause there, even if I didn't have to close the gap on that appraisal value versus what I paid for it, there were still closing costs and all that, you know, you still have to pay the lender something. So, and yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, if you need, if you need a 20% down payment, save 30. That's good. You yeah. know, just yep. to, just to, so you're, you know, you don't want, as soon as you close on the farm, you're broke. I know some people do and, and kudos to them, but um, I got it to where I, I saved enough to where I can buy this farm and I don't have to change my lifestyle at all, you know? Yeah. Which for me, that was, that was a deciding factor. So, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward you have to let me know how your season goes on the new piece and, and anything you learn yeah, along definitely. the way. And uh, just want to say congrats again. And I appreciate your time here today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. I appreciate it. 
Have a good one. There you guys have it. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thanks for Patrick for sharing his story. Some great information in today's conversation. Real quick, use code LP, the letter L, the letter P, at checkout, exodusoutdoorgear.com and save 25% off the entire site. Save some serious cash on cameras, arrows, and anything else you may need. Until next time, see you guys.